Pittsburgh. According to Joe Rudder of the Trib, a 10-minute training video that NFL officials are showing to teams about rules changers or changes led with the Jesse James controversial overturned reception against the New England Patriots. And the officials actually had the testicular fortitude to show it in Pittsburgh. I'm sort of over the catch thing, and I'm going to advance a theory here, and I want to see if people agree with me on this or not. I think that the catch rule will be better this year because they've allowed more room for initial interpretation from the review specialists. Basically, I know it when I see it, a very non-specific definition has kind of become a specific thing now with the way they've worded it, and that's going to make it better. Not perfect, but better. You're still going to see reviews. They're still going to get them wrong occasionally. You're still going to walk away confused occasionally, but it's going to be better because they've been less specific about it. That sounds backwards, but I think that's how it's going to work. Conversely, you've got the helmet rule. One game, two helmet penalties already from the Hall of Fame game last night. Here's my belief. And you tell me if you think I'm right or wrong about this. But my belief is that the NFL helmet rule will be every bit as bad, actually worse than what the catch rule was last year. And it's going to reach a crisis point like it did with the catch rule with Jesse James the confusion coming out of the Super Bowl, what happened between the Patriots and the Bills, what happened between the Jets and the Bills, basically any team the Patriots are playing, it reached a crisis point. And the NFL realized they had to go back in time to make things better. They had to simplify things as they were trying to make it abundantly clear what a catch was. They just muddied the waters. That's going to happen this year. This year, football is going to become almost unwatchable Because no one's going to know what a helmet hit is or isn't. No one's going to know what is legal and what is not. No one. It's going to be so damn confusing. We're not going to know whether to cheer, boo, applaud, be mad. We're not going to know. We're literally not going to know why teams won or lost football games. It got to that point with the catch rule this year. Last year, it will be that with the helmet rule this year. And then things will get better next year. Here's an example. Uh, as Joe goes on to write again in the trip, moving beyond the catch rule, they got to the video presentation that pertained to the new helmet rule. I guess it was a separate thing in and of itself. The rule prohibits players from lowering their helmet to make contact with any part of the opponent's body. The rule was expanded beyond the scope of helmet-to-helmet hits that the NFL legislated to outlaw a few years ago. The rule also is not limited to defenseless players. All 22 players, including the quarterback, can be flagged and even ejected for leading with the helmet. Players, however, are wondering how the rule will be enforced and what effect it will have on the game. In the Hall of Fame game on Thursday, two such fouls were committed, one of which within the first four and a half minutes. Here's the most confusing part, and and this is where it's going to reach that crisis point. A quarterback can still put his head down during a sneak, and a running back can plow forward for extra yardage 
as long as those players are using their heads for protection and not to initiate contact with defenders. How the hell do you tell the difference? 412-333-9939. A point of emphasis for officials this season will be pass interference penalties as well, and that kind of became an instance on the field yesterday as Roethlisberger was yapping at an official for calling an offensive pass interference penalty on a goal line drill. For like five minutes, I was watching the whole thing. He was still honked off about it. But I'm way more concerned about the helmet-to-helmet stuff because how do you tell the difference if a running back is lowering his helmet when it comes to initiating contact or preventing contact? If I'm Le'Veon Bell and I see a linebacker for the Browns coming at me, who is the official to determine whether he's leading forward with his helmet to take out the linebacker or to protect himself from the linebacker tackling him. How do you know? Look, of all the reasons, the litany of reasons that we have gone through as to why people are souring on the National Football League, the one that hits me home the most is the helmet rule stuff. I don't know what a legal hit is or isn't anymore, and I'm not, this is not Neanderthal caveman stuff, all right? Let's not be prickly... Pollyannish, I want likes and retweets on Twitter, so I'm going to pretend to care about concussions. Okay? Let's get beyond that. Let's get beyond the concussion stuff. And just, how do you play the game functionally when it comes to the helmet stuff? Because I don't know. what bother, for, Forget the price of a hot dog at a game, like we were talking about last time I was in for Mark. All that stuff. Forget the criminal activity off the field. You know, forget how much money the NFL makes and what it does or doesn't give to his players, forget the friggin' anthem. What bothers me the most by a country mile is the leading with the helmet stuff and how they're interpreting that. That's what bothers me about football right now more than anything else. I don't know what a legal hit is. And I think you've got to go to, I know it when I see it with the helmet, like you do with the catch. And I think we're going to get there. They have, for a long time now, said we have to take interpretation out of our ruling. We have to take away intent from our ruling. I think it's going to come back to that next year. It's going to get so bad, and people are going to be so mad after every single game that that's all you're going to talk about for five days between like Sunday or Monday night football and then Thursday or Sunday whenever they play again. That's all you're going to talk about is controversies from the previous week about helmet hits. Every game is going to be negatively impacted and they're not going to be able to differentiate the calls and there's going to be a massive amount of inconsistency. And that's going to be the biggest... It's going to get to a crisis point. People are going to stop caring about the games because they don't know what they're watching. And like last year, when people were screaming, the fix is in, the fix is in, they want the Patriots to win. It kind of started to look like that because they were so inconsistent with how the rulings were being handed out. Those... 10 years of they just want the Patriots to win actually looked like it had some credence to it. And now when you're ejecting players in the middle of the game, it starts to look like Park Avenue is going to care as to whether a really good linebacker stays in a game as opposed to a marginal guy who happens to have the exact same hit. And And then you got the gambling influence that's coming in on top of everything else. That's why, to me, the NFL needs to 
go all the way to the bottom, have the legs cut out from under it, have this thing just suck for a year, this rule, and then bounce back next year and rewrite write it with more simple language like they've done with the catch rule. That's my opinion. I want yours. But I think it is the single biggest problem facing football today. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Rick, who's calling on the helmet debate. Hi, Rick. You're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Tim. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, uh, I called it uh, back when they first uh, uh, instituted this rule. Uh, Ryan Shazier, when he went in to make that tackle, he didn't have his head down. He was trying to abide by the rules. He had his head up, going face first. You're leaving your body prone to injury, and you're going to see more of those injuries. I believe if he would have had his head down, he would still be playing football. Well, no, if he had had his, if he, had, you're kind of misremembering how that play went. I think you're giving him a little bit too much, you know, technically sound football credit for the tackle itself. If he had done what you know, like Pete Carroll taught the Seahawks to do, to get their head out of the way and go in with the shoulder, that would have that would have helped him more than anything else. But you know, those plays are, it's hard for a defender to do that all the time. And, and I know because of what they saw from Shazier last year, that's part of the reason why they are doing what they're doing. You know, frankly, against the Bengals too, the Gio Bernard a couple hit years ago was kind of viewed as the same thing. He just didn't get injured on the play. And Bengals fans are still mad about that. But when you can do it, where you're allowed to do it, how you're allowed to do it, I mean, like... How, how do you say there's a difference between a guy lowering his head to protect himself and lowering his head to initiate contact when you're talking about a running back in the open field going into a linebacker, or even within a couple of tacklers around him? How do you differentiate that? You tell me. That, you're exactly correct. There's no way, even with instant replay, there's no way you could be able to tell that. Thanks for the call. And I do think the biggest thing about this is people are going to start to think that there is an outside influence based on ejections and based on how they look at which players are doing what they're doing to decide to allow leaving a game or penalize in the first place. Mark and Robinson, you're on 105.9 The X. What's up, Tim? How you doing, man? Hi, Mark. Do you think there is a direct correlation between uh, those two referees? I think it was Jeff Triplett and Gene Steratore retiring Four. prior Four referees. Four of them, actually. Four of them, yeah. Do you think that has something to do with their retirement and their yes. fear to kind of have something to do with the outcome of these games? Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Uh, I think that's part of it. I also think, well, th- there's a real correlation in the sense that it's become such a hot-button topic that the NFL Network, ESPN, NBC, CBS, these networks who are paying these guys are paying them commensurate sal- They're paying them so much it's worth it for them to give up their officiating jobs because they're making close to as much, if not more, to do this because it's such a hot-button topic. There's so much talk about officiating in between games, during games. Twitter spawns this. The networks are saying, we got to get good people on this because we get traction off of it. So they're making this like a key thing when it comes to their network dissemination of the games. They're paying big dollars for it. Like, I don't want to be in Green Bay in friggin' December when I can be in a New York studio and, and talk to people on TV as opposed to be the guy who's responsible for it. So there's a financial element to it, Mark. But yeah, there's a simplistic element. I don't want to be the guy who screws up the Super Bowl because I've got to interpret whether or not Lev Bell lowered his head to protect himself or to take out a linebacker. I, I think you're 100% right on that. Let's go to Matt and Shaler. Matt, you're on 105.9 The X. 
Hey, Tim, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I just wanted to add a point on to what you're talking about with this helmet tackling and everything else that's going on with the game. It is going to turn fans off from watching it because between all the penalties they're already calling, all the commercials, all the general sloppy play you have, people are just going to turn the channel, and no one's going to want to watch. It's going to become unbearable. Oh, I agree with you. And it was really funny to me that with all the discussion that was taking place during the offseason about the issues facing football that I was alluding to before, the games are too long, there's too much stoppage, there are too many penalties to begin with, there are too many conferences even when there aren't penalties, flags are getting picked up, all this discussion, and then they put this rule on the books. It's like they did 50 things to try to speed the game along and give a little bit more alacrity to the pace of the game. They did 50 things to do that, and then they put this on basically because, well, no one sues over too many penalties. They're not going to get another multi-billion dollar lawsuit over whether or not there's a pass interference call. No one sues over putting your head in the neutral zone. People sue over helmet-to-helmet hits, and people sue over concussions. That's why they're doing what they're doing. This is CYA stuff. And now it's just got to get to which part of our ass are we covering? Where are we getting hit the most? Are we getting hit the most when it comes to a lack of interest? Or are we getting hit the most in terms of people that keep suing us? That's where the crisis point is going to come. It did with the catch rule. I think it will this year with the helmet rule. But you tell me, if there's a bigger problem in football right now, then what the helmet rule is, I don't know what it is, so you tell me. 412-333-9939. You can also tweet at Tim Benz, PGH. Later on this hour, Randy Feetner, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of an interesting moment between Randy Bauman of the DVE Morning Show and Mike Tomlin today during their interview at training camp at St. Vincent College. I'm going to play that for you next, and I want you to hear how that ties into Roethlisberger's role in the new offensive coordinator. That's next here on The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Ah, super genius. What were you afraid more of, Satan or teabagging? Sorry, teabagging. Great story, compelling and rich. (laughs) The X at 105.9. So Bob just tweeted this out during the commercial break. This is fantastic. Tim Benson from Mark today. I'm going to hear from uh, Randy Feetner in just a little bit. Offensive coordinator for the Steelers. But I got to bring this out. uh, Bring this up now that I've just seen it here. I'm stunned by this. There's... A story, River Avenue Blues, what is this? Who's Is this Yankee, it's a Yankee fan blog, is that what this is? Okay, so it's a Yankee fan blog that did a study on this. How much it costs to propose at every Major League Baseball stadium. And I guess what it, like, cost, it's to get your proposal on the Jumbotron. The most expensive is Dodger Stadium. $2,500! to propose on the Jumbotron. How many people are paying more to propose on the Jumbotron than they are the ring? $2,500? Are you kidding me? I will give you zero guesses to figure out which stadium is the cheapest to propose. You guessed it. PNC Park. It only costs, apparently, $39 to propose on the Jumbotron at PNC Park. Now, apparently we figured out why, and it didn't take very long to figure out why either, because as it turns out, like, okay, as a for instance, here you go. So the Dodgers, 2,500 bucks. The Nationals, 1,500 bucks. The Rays, 500 bucks. 
You want to talk about a marriage getting off to a bad start. You get you propose at a Tampa Rays game. Ugh. That ain't going to work. But there's like, I don't know, six or seven that are 400, 500 bucks or more expensive. All the way up to the Dodgers for $2,500. At least in the Rays case, in the Rays case, it's 500 bucks and the money goes to the Rays Charitable Foundation. So my clinical thinking then leads me to believe that the Pirates aren't giving away one red cent. It's all going into Seven Springs. Every one of your $39 to propose to Mary Joe from Blonox is going right to Bob Nutting. Now, if you want to involve a pierogi and have the pierogi get down on one knee in absentia for you, I'm sure it's another $40. But it's like cheaper to propose at PNC Park than it is to get a round of beers for you and two of your buddies. You don't have to tip anybody. Well, I take that back. That's probably a euphemism that I shouldn't be using in this regard for the celebration after the proposal. But there is one, two, three, four, five, five teams that don't allow proposals at all. The Blue Jays is probably illegal to do in Canada. The Angels, the Royals, the Orioles, and the Mets. None of those teams allow proposals in their stadium on the Jumbotron. I don't know why, except for this one advancement from a Mets fan who suggested the Mets don't allow proposals on their Jumbotron because none of their long-term commitments work out anyway. Which is 100% true. Alright, so there, I just I just tweeted that out. At Tim Ben's PGH. $39. It's, so it's... <laughs> I just realized this. It's $1 cheaper to propose on the Jumbotron at PNC Park than it is to park outside of PNC Park. $1. 25 years of marital bliss versus 40 bucks to park across from the media lot. Eh, six of one, half dozen of the other. All right. Uh, this morning, yeah, this morning on the DVE Morning Show, uh, Mike Tomlin stopped by with Randy Bauman and Bill Crawford and Val and Mike Pursuta. Their show was live to tape today from St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And it wasn't really like a tense moment, but you could kind of tell that Mike Tomlin either didn't like this line of questioning from Randy or was doing whatever he could to snuff out a narrative that has started already. So take a listen to Randy's question about Randy Fittner, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, and... Ben Roethlisberger and their relationship as opposed to maybe what it was with Todd Haley before. Is it Randy calling the, the shots or are the two of them working together by committee here? You know, Ben plays quarterback. Randy's the offensive coordinator. Um, by the nature of today's NFL, sure, certainly, um, you know, quarterbacks make some calls from time to time and Ben with the experience and talents that he has, that's a part of it. But, you know, that's a funny question to us. You know, that guy works after hours, man, to coordinate right. game plans and stuff. He's the offensive coordinator. Well, I think the perception is that there's there are some off of offensive coordinators who are a little more, not dictatorial, but they will call all the shots a, a, a with of, input from the quarterback a lot versus of it, the quarterback calling the shots with The it. variables are very much a component of that. I mean, if you got a young quarterback, man, you just want him to worry right. about playing the game. If you got a guy that's new to a system, you want him to be worried about playing the game. If you have lack of continuity between staff or players than that you know when you look at the components of what we do you know it's very natural man randy's been here uh going on 12 years he's coached wide outs he's coached quarterbacks now he's 
progressing to be the offensive coordinator. Ben has been here that entire time. They've had intimate relationships over the course of that time. So, you know, it's a very natural thing that certainly there's going to be input, but certainly Randy's got a very defined job to do, as does Ben, and Randy's job is offensive coordinator, and he'll do it, do a great job of it. So you could tell there by that answer, Tomlin wants no conversation about that whatsoever. He wants no perception that Ben is entirely in charge of the offense. And I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out, because you know how it worked last year. You know how it's worked since Todd Haley got here. If a good play happened, hey, Ben, what happened to this play? Well, I saw X, Y, and Z, so I threw to A, B, or C, and... I looked at the down and distance situation and I remembered something that happened early in the game. We noticed something on film in our week of study and I thought, well, we're in a run play here, but I really should check into a 70-yard bomb down the field to Martavis instead of the third and one handoff to Le'Veon Bell. Or if the play didn't work out, hey, Ben, what happened to that play? Oh, you're going to have to ask Coach Todd about that. Now, the assumption is that's not going to happen as much anymore because he's buddy-buddy with Randy Feetner, right? Like, that's that's the thinking, that's that's the belief. And one thing that Okay, here's my hope, and my hope as to why this is going to happen is based on nothing but logic. So I'm sorry I'm employing logic. I probably shouldn't in this area, because actually, Pursuta completely went the other way, and he's likely right about this. But I guess earlier in the program, Mike had been discussing this very same premise, which is, it's not going to be like what it was with Arians, where Ben basically did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, because he was so tight with B.A., that B.A. basically said, if you want to go play Sandlot, play Sandlot. It worked with us. You won a Super Bowl. Go do it. You're in charge. I'll come up with the structure, and you do what you want and improv. Like That's the perception of what it was like when Arians was here with Roethlisberger. And then Haley came in, put in more structure. They butted heads. He told Ben what to do in certain situations. He said in certain play packages that Ben couldn't audible out of or it made it harder for him to audible out of. And now that Feetner is in, you're going to get the Arians effect again, which is Ben's going to do what he wants when he wants, and basically Randy's going to be a figurehead. There's going to be a guy with a headset on, but he's just going to be talking to Ben when he comes off the field about what Ben will do next, or Ben will tell him what to call next on the next series. That's the thinking. That's the perception, right? So my hope is that Roethlisberger won't do that as much because he knows it's not 2011 anymore. He can't run around as much. He's not as nimble as he used to be. He can't freelance as much. He can't improvise as much. And I, and I had that opinion going into the season. And then, I guess Pursuta was talking about this in the DVE morning show today. He said, boy, uh, you watch practice? Ben's moving around a lot on his own. Ben's kind of rolling out. Ben's using his feet a lot. Boy, Ben was really dedicated to this whole no carbs and sugars thing. And he really does look lean and... Seems to be patting himself on the back quite a bit for what his diet has been lately, huh? And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Here we go again. 412-333-9939. You can tweet at Tim Benz, PGH. Uh, we'll hear from Randy Feetner next. Uh, on a lot of the other topics besides Roethlisberger, actually. James Washington, Mo Lev Bell, how's James Conner looking? We gave the defensive coordinator in the first hour. I told you we get to the offensive coordinator this hour. He's next on 105.9 The X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan. Mark, good afternoon. You got want to talk to Mark Madden? What do you want? What do you want? Damn it! The X at 105.9. 
Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden today. We gave you the defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier in the program, Keith Butler. Now a chance to hear from the offensive coordinator, Randy Fittner. He spoke with reporters yesterday. Here's my portion of the conversation with him, and it begins with some discussion about new Steelers wide receiver, second-round pick, James Washington. I like James. You know, James is a young receiver, and young receivers all the time uh, have the bulk of a learning curve. Uh, it's tough. You know, it isn't uh, as simple as lining up to the right and running the goal ball and having a guy like Mason Rudolph throw it to you down the yard. Um, you know, there's a lot of routes. You're going to have to play on the left. You have to play in the middle. You have to block. Right now, he's he's just trying to get better every day, and we'll keep evaluating that. But he's not as like he doesn't have to equate to what Martavis was last year because you should be able to use Vance a little bit more this year, and shouldn't Lev perhaps come in a little bit more refined than what he was for the first three games catching the ball last year, knowing what he knows coming in this year as opposed to last. Sure, I mean, um, but you're going to count that whoever you put out there is going to uh, compete and play uh, extremely well. So you got to be in that position first. Um, you got to be dependable. And, um, and that's where he's working right now. He's got all the intangible, if you want. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the reps and seeing the looks and, and getting that repetition. What's the evaluation of Mason so far, particularly given he's not seen a lot of time behind the first-team offensive line? I mean, and his feet have been moving quite a bit as a result. Yeah, well, I mean, that's football, though. And, and that's obviously good evaluation opportunity, and that's what the preseason is going to be like. Um, so if nothing else, it's been a great preparation for him, and he won't see one snaps for a long time. Uh, we'll evaluate when that time comes, um, but he's working and he's doing a nice job. When it comes to the backs, are you looking at Connor and Ridley in terms of guys when the regular season hits? Do you want more of an evaluation of them because of Lev perhaps not being here next year? Do you need to get a cleaner look at them, not just for who they are this season, but for next? I would never even think next year. I mean, everything would be about now, you know, about them getting better every day. Uh, they're going to get the bulk of, of a preseason. We've got some other numbers in there. Guys got to get some work. So, uh, But, yeah, as far as, like, next year, I wouldn't be thinking that way. Where are they now as opposed to where you saw James last year? And where oh, you saw James, him? man. He's pleasant, pleasant. He's worked really hard, really hard in the offseason. His conditioning came into camp better. Um, his, his mind, his football, 101 is better. Um, he's done a nice job working with Coach Sachs, uh, and he's been really pleasant here. Injury-free. Is the second job behind Ben truly open for competition, or is that, I mean, Landry, is he firmly entrenched? Well, I don't know that anyone's firmly entrenched because you're in great competition. I know this. Uh, I've had uh, four draft pick uh, qualified quarterbacks in the past year when we've been uh, pretty successful. You go back to Dennis Dixon, Charlie Batch, and Byron Leftwich and Ben. Now, there's four in the room, and you're probably not keeping four. And I just challenge these guys daily. We've got to get better individually. It's going to only be good for us. It's going to be good for them. Um, that's all you can do. Uh, things happen. Things happen from injuries to, uh, you know, just, just all kinds of crazy things. Don't count the room. Don't count yourself out. Uh, don't cut yourself. Just get better every day. The tight ends seem to believe you when they hear the words that the tight ends are going to be more incorporated this year. Is that something that you would have liked to have done last year if Vance had been here earlier? Yeah, well, some of that's controlled by personnel. You just said it. Had Vance been here earlier, potential, or had Vance stayed healthy? Um, you know, I don't think there was anything that we would just say we wouldn't want to utilize your people. Um, you know, we'll utilize those that are consistently uh, showing their ability to do the right thing and make plays. It's a tough position to play in this league uh, when you're asking them to be anything uh, more than just a pass catcher and a route runner. And you'll have to do a lot more here uh, in this system. Uh, 
and to be an all-around tight tight end. What you said about James was kind of interesting before. You're not just going to have Mason Rudolph throwing the ball to you down the sidelines. Does that go two ways for Mason when he's out there with Washington? Would you prefer to see, like, hey, we know what you can do with James. Look somewhere else? Yeah, no, I don't know what he can do with James at this level. You're assuming a lot. Mm-hmm. I would never assume that. I assume I want, until I see it in person and you've done it in our system, what you've done in college, that doesn't exist anymore. There's not one of these guys that's going to talk about what they did in college ever again until they're retired. Mason struggling with any one specific thing? No. Uh, Mason struggled just because uh, every day is a new insult. He had said something about the quickness in the secondary and of the linebackers, their back and forth speed, their sure. lateral speed. Is that something that you've talked to him about already? Yeah. I mean, that's that in helmet perspective, that takes time to develop. It's a change of pace. The whole game's different. Uh, it's always going to be different. And that transition's not easy, and he's playing the position that the transition's the hardest. I'll tell you one thing he's struggling with. And I talked to Mason Rudolph about this, and when I'm in for Mark on Monday, you'll hear him talk about this. And that's getting balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's had quite a few of those uh, so far, more than I would expect for a guy who tends to throw the ball upwards and deep well and has kind of an upward arc and gets deep in the pocket and is used to that. But uh, maybe he's just used to smaller defensive linemen or guys that can't get up as quickly as NFL guys can, NFL caliber guys can. And that's even, remember, not going against the first-team defense a ton. Uh, He's been going against threes and three, or going with and against threes for a lot uh, in his development thus far in training camp. We'll talk to Rudolph about that and more, like I said, on Monday when I'm in for Mark Madden. Uh, Real quick here, one thing before we go to break about what Randy Fittner had to say there. And, you know, it's... I suppose it's a matter of perspective on how you want to view this. But when it comes to Lev Bell and replacing him next season, if you see a lot of James Conner or a lot of Stephen Ridley, then that means they're trying to figure out whether or not Conner is worth keeping for the future or they think they've found, you know, somehow, some way, a little something that could be tapped in Stephen Ridley. But if you listen to that answer there from Randy Feetner, who said, I'm not even going to start thinking about next year, well, you know what that means then. Well, you're going to ride the bus until the wheels fall off, just like they did with really Willie Parker. And they kind of did with the bus himself, come to think about it. But, you know, under Mike Tomlin, the whole you run until the wheels fall off thing, they've done it with Lev Bell, they've done it with Willie Parker, and for some, that's been a criticism of Tomlin. Like they don't care about Lev Bell and his preserving his future. I, I'm forget it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about Lev and his future. I'm talking about what they're going to do after Lev leaves. I know he's gone. They know he's gone. But if you hear Randy Feeder said, "I'm not even thinking about next season," then that seems to be a bit of a wasted opportunity to get James Conner some more carries right now. Like if they have any view whatsoever of Conner being a one-level back, they won't do that. If they really do think that James Conner can be a starter or a significant contributor or anything but a backup, then they will use him more often because they want to see what he can do in the regular season against real competition as opposed to the preseason or as opposed to second and third level guys in training camp. My belief is they know already what they have in Connor, and that's a decent backup for the last couple years of his rookie contract and nothing beyond. I think they know what they have in Connor, and he's a two, not a one. 
I think they know what they have in Connor, and they're going to draft their number one next offseason. I don't think they'll sign one. Like, you know, I'll give you, for instance, here's something we talked about on ESPN Pittsburgh with Matt Williamson from up at training camp. You know, the Steelers put a lot of money in Ladarius Green. That didn't pan out. They put a lot of money in Morgan Burnett, who can't even get on the field right now because of injury. Let's see how he does once he does start to play. But if he doesn't pan out, they're going to have a ton of money next year when they shed the contract of Le'Veon Bell. And uh, was it Mitchell's dollars come off the books, too, after letting him go? Uh, maybe Ramon Foster gets replaced by a cheaper option in a rookie or B.J. Finney. Like They're going to have some money to play with in free agency next year. And they may be spooked away from doing anything substantive with it, even if Aaron Donald is out there. Like I'm just going to start pounding this drum right now. If Aaron Donald somehow is a free agent for next year, it'll be a crime if he's not in black and gold and they don't keep Le'Veon Bell. So... I don't think that'll happen, by the way, but I'm just I'm just saying that if it were to be the case. But they're not going to sign a big-time free agent running back to replace Lev. They're going to draft one. And if they think that James Conner has even a sniff, a hint of being a starter, they can't do what Randy Feetner just talked about there. they got to give him some time. they got to give him a look. And I don't think they're going to. 412-333. 9939. I think they know what they have in him, and he's a decent backup. I think that's their view of Connor, despite what they might be selling right now about how great he looks in training camp. Right, when we come back, Bob McLaughlin joins us. Top of the hour, we get back into our discussion about the Pirates and the Chris Archer debut, plus a guy who covered Archer in Tampa, Neil Solons, will join us at 515. That and a return to the helmet debate as well. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. 59. Bleacher Report is doing this thing on Twitter. Name your best sports moment in five words. That's tough to do. I can do my worst pretty easily. The 2-1 to Cabrera. Actually, here's a good one. Wait. Do you believe in miracles? Hey, there you go. That's five. That's well done. That's well done. Or... The Penguins select Sidney Crosby. There. That's two. Now I feel better about myself. This one says. <laughs> I don't Sois know. Enough, yeah, I don't know about enough French. Actually, EJ screwed that one up for us, right. didn't he? Bob McLaughlin with me, Tim Benz. I'm in for Mark Madden today, sponsored by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Le'Veon Bell's rap lyrics for his EP are out, and they are bad. We're going to get to that in just one moment. But, Bob, what about this car racing thing that I saw on TV here on the NFL Network? Do you have these? This little car racing game that I was talking about before? No, are they, what are they, tubes? The Zoom tubes. tubes Zoom tubes, yes. I've seen the commercial 8,000 times, and I agree with you. There's no way midway through. That car can't, it's like Kit from Knight Rider. There's it, no way that car can do that. Either that or that's the 829th take. Right. Of them trying to get Damn the it. car to go through the tube and land in the other tube. It's like Dukes of Hazard in a matchbox car. That's, it absolutely is. I was mean, it? it's it's nigh impossible. I mean, it took me back to my days of TCR, Total Control Racing. Total Control Racing, that's they, what it was called. They actually changed lanes, Tim. Can can you think of it? Oh, yeah, that's right. When the tracks crossed each other right, like that. And remember, at the time, you had those flimsy plastic tracks with the little connector thing in right, between. Right, exactly. And as soon as TCR came out... 
you were giving those to every friend in the neighborhood. They they didn't want them. You so did you have the little ones? Things. Did you have the little cars or the like mid-sized cars? I had the mid-sized ones. Okay, we I had, had the little track. matchbox ones. Right. Oh, no, ours were a little bigger because TCR, they had to fit the magnetic strip, you know? And and you got it going and you were great, and then you'd change the track design because you were able to do that, and then you'd just break every car at that one hairpin. I had a black Trans Am with a Firebird on the top, and that car was really good. And we had a red Camaro, and the Camaro sucked. <laughs> the Camaro, like, it was not a bitchin' Camaro. It was everything but a bitchin' Camaro. It didn't even go forward. I hated that thing. It drove me crazy. It had so much potential. Did you have a friend who would bring their car? No. Because uh, remember, there were I think only, somebody I brought think, a, six yeah, cars out of Somebody every- brought a yellow car. I can't remember what kind of yellow car it was. Was it a vet? It might have been a vet. It was a vet. I think it was a vet. Yes, it was a vet. Yeah. One of my buddies had a yellow car also, and he would bring it over, and it got destroyed every time. But every time he said, this is the fastest car. So, But now I've got to get these zoom tubes to kind of recapture what was lost of my youth trying to make these stupid matchboxes work. You know what? Do you remember the price point on the zoom tubes? No, I didn't see the zoom tubes. Are we talking like 50 bucks? I think it's almost as much to propose at PNC Park. (laughs) Funny is that it costs more to it costs more thirty nine for a commitment of two hours and fifty minutes to park than it does a commitment of a lifetime. No kidding, thirty nine. What word is it? Thirty five dollars and they throw in a foot long for no. later that evening. You tip the cameraman a buck. <laughs> if you're only tipping the cameraman a buck, you know your fiance or your wife right there should just be like, wait, you do tip I really Robbie Spikowski a dollar so he can do it for you. <laughs> All right, so we got to get to Lev Bell's rap lyrics here. I'm trying to think of what other things I could do with $39 instead of, you know, get betrothed at PNC Park. You, know, you can get betrothed for one song at Blush, Bob. I can guarantee you that. So here are the, the rap lyrics from Lev Bell. And a lot of it, first of all, the album art is outstanding. Let's just, put, let's just say first, this is not good. Th- this is not a good look. And no. I'm, I'm sure it's not a good sound either, but this is not a good look. For a guy in the position he's in, trying not to have any more of his fan base, you know, desert him. Right. So here we go. I got I to gotta do some self-editing here. I'm not going to try to do this with any sort of beat or rhyme scheme because I don't know what it is and I wouldn't right. have been able don't to do, do it that. anyway. And neither can Lev for that matter. But whatever. We're not about to play around. If you play around, you get exposed. I got homies there to take you out if certain information get disclosed. Not good. All these N-bombs acting shady. Just please don't make me pull a shady. We're not about to play around. All these women want my baby. Just please don't make me pull a shady. I'll do that one slower. (laughs) All these women want my baby. Just please don't make me pull a shady. And it's with a capital S, correct? As in Shady Shady McCoy. As in LaShawn. As in LaShawn McCoy. McCoy, Who I'm looking his Twitter feed up right now. Obviously. He's seen this. You know, obviously the locker room has shown him this. He can't be happy about this. You know, I'm sure other players aren't happy about this. For folks that don't get the reference, it's to Shady McCoy allegedly hiring somebody to beat the hell out of his girlfriend at their house. Who he has gone, you know, whole hog that he had nothing to do with, had absolutely nothing to do about it. She got robbed. She just happened to be, you know, they asked for a certain piece of jewelry. <laughs> oh, well, they were kind of specific about that. According but to counselor. Exactly. Right. I won't allow it. <laughs> but well, yeah, him just, I, I mean, him coming well, wait out. A minute, I'm trying to figure out the timeline here. Okay. Like how fast did he turn the song around for his EP then? Well, 
No, it no, just no, came no. out today. No, no, no. My point being, did he know about what was going on with Shady? Like, was there a rumor or something? I'm sure he just needed a line here or there. Hey, man, we need like four more lines to, 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 to finish <laughs> it just this. just happened. Right. Like the Shady McCoy thing just happened, what, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the news just came out. So he spun like how good of a rap could it be if he just spun this around in two weeks? Well, I could see the producer saying, man, we need something for this to bite. We need something. We need a lyric to really have people jump onto this. I got something. <laughs> what rhymes with baby? <laughs> how about shady? Yeah, this I mean, like, especially with the NFL's whole domestic violence Thing yeah. right now again not a good look not a good sound just read the room a little bit right read the, and, and the I'd album like seeing iso on kevin colbert right now wherever he's at getting a look at these and hashtag smh <laughs> yeah i don't think kevin tweets but i get your point no somebody else looking at him going hey have you seen these lyrics and how about the album cover too yeah. here he's bemoaning he's not getting enough money and he's sitting there in a crown in a throne with a cigar looking like the king right it's it's just it's beautiful. Fourteen point five. Well, you'll do okay this year. Don't worry. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. When we come back here on one zero five nine the X. Uh, if you missed our conversation, boy, these web poll results are really interesting about Chris Archer's debut. We got to return to our conversation about the helmet rule. I think it's the single biggest issue facing football today. What do you think? Four one two three three three. 99.39. We're back in 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.